Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. Very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelinsky Show for this Monday, January 25th. We're flying through January here. You can listen weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern right here. And don't forget to sign up for the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into the broadcast today. As you know, I just played my old intro, and the reason being because it really is true what I said in that intro, and I say the good news is God is advancing his kingdom. That's really true, and I wanted to keep that in there. So if you like the old intro that I just played, let me know, or if you want me to keep the new one. I sometimes just like to get a little feedback on that. So anyway, we have a fantastic guest scheduled. He's coming on right away, Fritz Springmeier highly acclaimed author of Bloodlines of the Illuminati. And we're going to get into some really interesting topics that Fritz doesn't usually talk about. So that'll be really interesting. As well as the new app. The app is so exciting. So go to the App Store and you can download the Smart Device app. I love it. I'm using it and I'm getting a lot of great feedback. So if you want to find that app, or you want some more information on how to listen to this show, just simply go to weekendvigilante.com, click on the Listen tab, and it shows you all the ways to listen, including this Friday we're going to have the call-in show, and I cannot wait to talk to you, the listener. I am so excited about a new contest. I originally had a contest posted on Facebook, and of course, everybody was submitting duplicates, so it was very hard to actually find a winner since everybody it was just it was a great idea that I had but it wasn't exactly thought out the best so I talked to Steve Quayle on the weekend and guess what folks listen to this Steve is up the ante a grand prize package in this giveaway worth over a thousand dollars every one of Steve Quayle's books personally signed by him as well as his documentaries are thrown in that package so value of over a thousand dollars I want to win that contest. So these are the three clues. And all you have to do is email me the show once you find it. Here it goes. Three clues. Approximately 10 years ago. That's a timeline hint. Now here's your two clues. So pay close attention. Invisible will become visible. And the final clue. Monsters worst nightmares. Okay, so there you have it. Good luck on the contest. I hope everybody gets a submission in. You might have to go back and dig through some shows approximately 10 years ago, roughly. And again, Invisible will become visible and then Monsters Worst Nightmares. So there you have it. That's all the clues you get. Hope you find the show and do get your submissions into me before February 12th. And the man himself will be on the show, Steve Quayle to make the announcement February 15th of the Steve Quayle Grand Prize winner. And I'm so excited because that is an incredible bundle. That's amazing. Over $1,000 worth of stuff. Wonderful. 
As you know, last week I was co-hosting, but I'm back on my own show now. So don't forget, this Friday, January 29th, do call in. I want to hear from you, the listener, to weigh in on whatever you want to talk about. That's going to be fun on Fridays to have a conversation with you, the listener. So it's going to be an exciting week. And finally, last but certainly not least, I will be in Dallas, Texas, March 18th to the 20th at the Hear the Watchman event. Later today, I will have a direct link at weekendvigilante.com for all the information. I'm going to be on the media panel and helping Doug and Joe, and it's going to be a fantastic event. I will definitely be seeing you out there. That's going to be very exciting. And I've got word that Augusto Perez is also going to be having an event March 4th, 5th, and 6th in Houston, Texas. So the Lone Star State is going to have some awesomeness in the month of March 2016. I'll be giving you some more details about that when Augusto returns from his missions trip. But tentatively schedule those two dates in March 4th, 5th, and 6th. And of course, the 18th, 19th, 20th, here, the Watchmen. I'm going to have very limited books there. So if you want to get your book signed, bring it out. Or if you want to go to greengospel.ca today, order the book in advance. I certainly will sign a copy for you at that March 18th to the 20th event. I've got so many emails asking if I was going to be there. So the official word is, yes, I am. So I'll see you there in March. So excited to see everyone out there. I'm hoping sometime this week that maybe... I can have a roundtable with some of those speakers. Wouldn't that be great? So we'll try to set that up for Thursday. When I come back from the break, the highly acclaimed, renowned, one and only author of a book that's sitting on my shelf, Bloodlines of the Illuminati. (laughs) Never read a book with so much information. Incredible compilation. And I'm going to be back with Fritz right after the break. Stick around. Look at what has become of the world, Church of Christ, through you, losing what you should have been. But God waits for his people. God waits for his people. When will they take the stepping stones God has placed in his word? church that has forgotten its foundations, a church that's turned away from its beginnings to become a harlot church. Just, just tell me how blessed I am. Just tell me I'm, I'm going to be powerful and popular and going to have no trouble in my life. For the, just tell me these things. Watered down. Half-truths. This gospel says, just believe and get saved. There's nothing of repentance, nothing of godly sorrow, nothing of turning from your sins, nothing about taking up your cross and following the Lord. Now, we've revised that and said, if you can get people for one hour on Sunday morning in the building, that's the church. That's not the church. We can use every device we want to get people for one hour and keep it early and keep it moving and keep it going. But that's not the church Jesus built. And I'm embarrassed to be part of the church of Jesus today because I believe it's an embarrassment to a holy God. Most of our joy is clapping our hands and having a good time. And then afterwards, we're talking all the dribble of the world. Don't talk to us about holiness or separation from the world people today don't want to hear anything they call gloom and doom. If it's not smooth, it's gloom and doom. And I think we better watch this business of, you know, God loves you, God loves you, and all the bumper sticker sloppy evangelism. Will you remind people of the goodness and the severity of God? Will you remind them that people pray in hell but nobody ever answers? But in spite of what God has spoken, they create a garment of fig leaves and they cover themselves and say, all is well, all is well. And they seek out a church that won't challenge their sin, that won't expose this hypocrisy for what it is. I'd rather you get mad at me and go to heaven. This so-called love gospel today only reaches the flesh. It can't get to the heart. It can't dig into sin so that there can be a cleansing. And if I'm a surgeon of the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to put a bandage on you when you've got cancer sticking out of a bone or your flesh. We're going to say, hey, we got to get in there. It has to be dealt with. I don't care if you like me, but I'm a good surgeon and I'm going to get your cancer out. This is the reason why some who are listening even now and will be listening to tapes in the future, you just can't lighten up and enjoy these theologically shallow experiences like so many around you are today. 
Everyone around you saying, oh, lighten up, lighten up. God's love, God's good, God's kind, God is nice. Come to church in your Bermuda short. Stick your feet on the altar rail. Have a coffee and cookies with us. We'll hear three-point messages on nothing about God. But there's a stirring in you. There's a stirring in the true bride in this generation. Now, I'm going to tell you something. A diluted gospel is no gospel at all. And if you don't believe this is happening in our generation, I challenge you to go to a Christian bookstore this week. Find the bestsellers. Ask them which are the bestsellers and look at them. Look at the covers of the images of men, not the images of God. Five steps to be like me. Five steps to better yourself. Five steps to the new you. Five steps to a wonderful destiny with their glossy faces on the cover. Not so subtly telling the church of Jesus Christ, if you use the principles of God, you will look like me. In the 14th chapter of Romans, and he says we, so he writes of even to believers at the judgment seat. We must all, there's no exception. We must stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You can't send your lawyer, you can't send a representative. Can you see all the saints of all the ages? And Leonard Rainville is standing there before Christ, whose eyes are full of holiness, where there's all the majesty of an awesome God. And he reads the record of my poor life before all the saints of all the ages. And you became enamored with your own beauty. And your whole theological focus now is how you can be smarter, better, better looking, more prosperous. You lost the call of God, church. Now I'm going to tell you something. A diluted gospel is no gospel at all. Put away empty pursuits of God. Put away all of the deception of the carnal nature. When I see the church in the New Testament, they didn't have stately buildings. They didn't have paid evangelists. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have organization. They couldn't get on TV and beg. But I'll tell you what they did. They turned the world upside down. But are you big enough to say, Lord, in this crucial hour in human history, let me fill up the sufferings of Christ. But if the Holy Spirit is truly, truly upon you in this generation, you will not be satisfied. You will not be found among those who sit in supposed houses of God with your feet on the altar rail and a cup of coffee in your hand listening to a PowerPoint sermon about a Christ they don't know. You'll not be satisfied. For God has not merely given us Jesus Christ, He's given us all things. And because there isn't enough joy in the house of God, we need entertainment. Because entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. We're living in a time, as the prophet Malachi said, when those who feared the Lord are going to get together one more time and think on His name, and a book of remembrance will be written for them, and they will return, and they will know the difference between those who serve God and those who don't serve Him. Folks, we've got to deal with sin. We've got to deal with things that in life, you know, they're divorcing and all these things. We have to do something about it. We have to face a holy God one day. There's a great trial coming, folks, for everyone. Praise God. He's going to deliver the true believer. I'm telling you now, the handwriting is on the wall. The judgment is at the door. Welcome back from the break. That was a very powerful compilation. I've posted on today's bio the full 10 minutes of that. I just took some pieces out that were my favorite powerful men of God, David Wilkerson, Leonard Ravenhill, Carter Conlon, and Jim Cimbala, others. Just incredible compilation. So... Don't forget to go to Tay's bio and look at the link, Wake Up Church, and you can hear the full compilation. My guest is the highly acclaimed author, researcher, and prolific writer. He's an expert on the Illuminati. He's written incredible books on the subject, stuff other people just haven't touched. You just cannot find the stuff in these books anywhere else. He's a West Point attendee. He is truly one of the progenitors of exposing these Luciferian kingpins, a new world order, secret societies. And it is so good to have him back on the show because it's been a while since I had him on. Welcome back to the program, Fritz Springmeyer. Pleasure to have you on, sir. Thank you, Sheila. It's been a while. It certainly has been a while for sure since I've had you on. Fritz, I discovered something today again. It surfaced again this week that I have something in common with Osama bin Laden. Apparently, him and I have the same books on our shelf. Were you surprised when these mainstream talking heads like CBS and UK Telegraph reporting a newly released list of Osama bin Laden's bookshelf contents that have revealed the Al-Qaeda leader was obsessed with 9-11 conspiracy theories, U.S. military strategies, and dabbling in works about the Illuminati bloodlines? As a matter of fact, your 
book, Bloodlines of the Illuminati, was apparently on his shelf. I don't know if I'd want to have my book on his shelf, but were you surprised at that? Yes, I was. And why is it being brought up now, years later? Can you answer that for me? <laughs> why now? Such a good question. I own the book, and that is quite a book, let me tell you. But it makes me nervous when these guys are going to throw around a book title like that. Where are they going with that? It's kind of suspicious, isn't it? Yes. Well, uh, it's an interesting book because in the beginning, I show how 25 American presidents are closely related. Osama bin Laden wanted to, to see the genealogy charts on because he was going to have to be dealing with American leaders that are all of, of a few bloodlines. Yeah, you really break the bloodlines down and so much more. I have that book here on my shelf, Bloodlines of the Illuminati. And let me tell you, it is such a wealth of information. I have never read a 620-page jam-packed book like this with just mind-numbing insight. The connection of the dots is frightening, to say the least. And of course, writing a book myself, of course, half the size of yours, it's just very daunting to do that. I know that my information's only half the size of yours, and yet it took me five years. How long did it take you to get all the information for it and write this book, Fritz? Well, the chapters were all originally articles, and each article I devoted one month to. So each chapter was a month of writing and uh, research. And so you have about 15 months right there of research and writing. A person has to be familiar with the subjects before you start writing on them. So, you know, you could always say that there was even more time than those 15 months. But, but definitely 15 months were devoted to the articles that were then collated into the, the book. Well, let me just say the time, the research that goes into writing a book like this certainly gives me a profound new respect for you as an author. Now, as an author, one of the things that I struggled with personally is, wow, look at the information I'm presenting. No one else was covering exactly this stuff. And there's always that thought as you're actually going through the content in your book. When you're exposing this kind of material, you really feel like, yikes, I could be on the chopping block very soon. Oh, yeah. Well, I was definitely on the chopping block. In fact, we are very lucky that earlier today, the Geek Squad completed. It took them three days to get my computer back to working. I didn't even have Skype earlier. Like yesterday, we couldn't have done this. You know, and, and back in the year 2000, I had a program that showed on my website where people, uh, where visitors came from. And 65% of my hits were coming from Langley, Virginia, the CIA. They were just constantly every every minute checking on what I was doing. It was in, insane. So these people just, they try to make it difficult for my computer to work. So we're really fortunate that I'm able to make this interview with you today. Yeah, I know the feeling to get messed with. It can be a real pain. Now, one of the things that I heard several months ago, I don't know if you saw this, but Jim Carrey was on a late night talk show and he was jokingly talking about the Illuminati. The Illuminati. There's a video circulating. Of course, people can look that up. But, you know, Fritz, we've got this ubiquitous Illuminati pop culture craziness with symbolism everywhere. All these young kids today being influenced by trendy holly illuminati pawns of the music and movie industry and the illuminati really has infused their tentacles into everything in society and yet for years the illuminati to most has been this sort of nebulous clandestine group but now it's not even so clandestine There's, they're getting more brazen all the time aren't they right the just the the name illuminati was secret and the concept that they existed was secret. And now they're no longer concerned that people realize that they do exist. And so, yeah, it, it's the main thing I think that they're using Hollywood and all these um, teenage idols for 
is just to give themselves a popular image. The, the teenagers are very impressionable, so they see their idols do these Illuminati hand signs and say that, you know, this is something cool and they think the Illuminati's cool. But the real nuts and bolts of the Illuminati is not these uh, entertainers in Hollywood. You know, they've been doing this and they just have this confidence that, you know, when I was networking with these Illuminati leaders, communicating with them, it was just really clear in some of the things that they said, they just have this overall confidence that they have, so, their power is so embedded in the warp and woof of, of everything that they don't need to fear anything. They're beyond uh, intimidation. Yeah, beyond intimidation. That's a good point. What I find so fascinating, Fritz, I mean, it's typically put out there on the internet and circulated widely that historically the name refers to the Bavarian Illuminati founded in 1776 along with other secret societies or it was supposedly outlawed by the Bavarian rulers Charles Theodore, of course, with the uh, encouragement from the Roman Catholic Church, I'm sure, but permanently disbanded in 1785. But that's not really accurate, is it? No. And it's misleading, too, because it's really distracting people from what the organization is really like. It's bloodlines. And the book we referred to, you know, that was supposedly, or I guess, as far as I know, it was was in Osama bin Laden's library. Bloodlines of the Illuminati, as the title is indicating, the Illuminati consists of these bloodlines and that's what makes it so powerful is this thing is generational they have several groups that are assigned the uh they're in charge of making sure that there's continuity from one generation to the other of their agenda right right well in my book green gospel one of the things i talk about is that the pagan pantheism really dates back to Nimrod. And I get into, of course, the Roman, Grecian, Egyptian, and Babylonian eras. But because these Luciferian generational bloodlines goes back to antiquity, Nimrod, the Ammonites, Edomites, these really are satanic families who've positioned themselves throughout history in powerful positions essentially controlling the world and their calling card is their new world order but it's very steeped deeply in occultism and for new listeners who haven't heard that get into that for us fritz well there's so many different ways to approach it one is is to think of uh, a person's theology is going to follow their morality and if you are doing the horrendous things like john d rockefeller did you're going to have a theology that justifies it. So even if they hadn't been Satanists, they definitely would become Satanists just to justify what they're doing, all the, the, the wars that they create and so forth. But the fact is, is it's hard to say which came first, the chicken or the egg, which came first, their Satanism or, or their evil deeds. But they were the leaders of the mystery religions back in antiquity. And that gets back into mind control. And they have carried out mind control on their own children, making them into program multiples, multiple personalities. And, and the reason I bring that up is, is because on a day-to-day -day, uh, surface, there will be a, a personality that comes across as very good you know, as a community leader. So these people are the people that uh, people look up to. They're the philanthropists among us, the rich community leaders. There are Billy Grahams and so forth that everybody looks up to. But they have multiple personalities, and there's a really a, a, an evil side to them. They're the people that created our system, 
you know, people ask the question of me, well, when did they take over? It's not a matter of them taking over. They're the ones that created the system. You go back to the banking system, these powerful families like the Medici's, the Rothschilds, these were bankers. They were the ones that loaned money to the kings. You know, we so oftentimes think that kings are the ones in power, but there are people behind kings, their advisors and their financiers that have even more power than them. And uh, the, my Bloodlines of the Illuminati book were, showed how there were two freemen, and Freeman was an Illuminati family, one of the top 13 families. And nobody's even really heard of the Freeman family. It, it's not got the notoriety as the Rothschilds. But several of our presidents, their top advisor was one of these Freeman. And, you know, who has more power? Somebody who's advising the president what to do or the president who's actually functioning sort of like a puppet who, who carries it out. Yes, sort of the power behind the throne, so to speak. Now, speaking of power behind certain organizations, for lack of a better word, one of the stunning things that I learned is that Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, he is a Russell bloodline, which is one of the 13 families you write so much information on exposing the Jehovah's Witnesses. Was that a shock to you, Fritz? Yes, it was. I First, I discovered that the leadership within the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses headquarters, which is Bethel in Brooklyn, uh, New York, the string pullers there are Illuminati. Somebody who was at Bethel tipped to me off that the string pullers in the Mormon church and the string pullers in the Jehovah's Witnesses who are Illuminati would just get on the phone and talk to each other. So then discovered that Charles Taze Russell and some of the other leaders of the top leaders of the Jehovah's Witnesses were Freemasons. And so then I was investigating, well, could Charles Taze Russell be of the Russell Illuminati family? And yes, I was able to, to determine that. Definitely. Not only was he a Freemason, but he was Illuminati. And the Rothschilds helped finance the early Watchtower Society. And uh, there was a man who said that the he, he was in Germany and Switzerland. He said that the Watchtower Society, at the time they were called, they called their people Bible students, international Bible students. But the society that controlled them was still called the Watchtower Society back then. And he was claiming that the rich elite were sending money to the Watchtower Society in Europe via the Masonic Lodges. And so they, that man was sued, and he brought out letters that he presented in court that proved just what he was saying. And I had the German article it was in the 1920s that this article came out. I had the German article photocopy of it in the paper reporting on this court event. So it was even proved in court that the elite were financing the Watchtower Society through these Masonic lodges. In the early history of the Jehovah's Witnesses, they didn't have their own meeting places. They were meeting in Masonic lodges. Uh, of course, they call these Masonic halls, and so then when they when they started having their own buildings, their own buildings were copied a lot of the things of the Masonic halls, and they called them kingdom halls. You'll notice that it's standard in a Masonic hall to have fake windows, and if yeah. you go to a, a Jehovah's Witness kingdom hall, they have fake windows too. Well, back in the day, I went to the Kingdom Hall with a very good friend of mine. She was my very good friend, and I went a lot to this Kingdom Hall. Of course, I had to get delivered for that, <laughs> but anyway. And, of course, I got to see the inner workings. They don't like to get involved in politics. They don't like you to question anything, and they are adamant that you do not read any literature that exposes the truth about them, and yet they call themselves the truth. Internal people 
call themselves the truth, and yet they do not believe in speaking in tongues. They think that's demonic. And of course, what's outstanding is they don't believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost. I think they just skip the whole book of Acts completely. And I don't think they are very much into eschatology, certainly not the book of Revelations, the way they translate it. Yikes. So, you know, you're not allowed to challenge anything, ask questions. You just got to be a mindless minion and just follow orders and nod your head. I mean, that's really convenient, isn't it? Yes. In fact, uh, a Jehovah's Witness here in Portland talking to this old Jehovah's Witness who's been a, a Jehovah's Witness for many years, he had never heard of the Antichrist. Here's this organization supposedly warning us about Armageddon. But if you look at their warnings about Armageddon, they don't give anything. You know, you've noticed in my writings how many details I give. And I mean, I uncover the world system in detail. Well, the Watchtower Society doesn't give anything but a bunch of propaganda milk. They, they, this guy hadn't even heard of the Antichrist. What's the Antichrist? <laughs> that is so ridiculous. And yet they're always talking about the coming kingdom. What kingdom is that? Since true Christians are of the devil, they're the only true religion. They report in one of their publications that Jesus is not God. He's actually the archangel Michael. They deny Jesus bodily rose from the dead. They think only 144,000 of them are going to rule and reign with Jesus. And the rest will just, you know, live forever in a paradise earth, never meeting the one who died for them, Jesus Christ. Because after all, it's all about Jehovah. Yet Jehovah himself says, hey, pals, there's only one way to the father, me, and that's through my son. But they conveniently leave that out. And of course, salvation is impossible outside of the watchtower. And you're never allowed to, as I said, question anything. Don't question the Watchtower Society or question the teaching or the literature or the local leadership. They have falsely predicted the end of the world five times or more. You have to read only their Watchtower literature and their theological study books and their reasoning from the scripture book. All their own books. Never are you allowed to read any apostate literature. That's anything that speaks out against them. And the frightening part is you only can read their Bible translation. And guess what it is? It's not the King James. It's called what I like to call the New World Order Bible translation. Well, basically, because it's the New World Translation. I mean, that is the kicker with this devilish cult. That's unbelievable. Yes. Um, and the Douglas Walsh trial in 1954, the reason why it took place was the Jehovah's Witnesses Watchtower Society were trying to become a legal religion in Scotland. So there was this trial where the government was actually put their the Watchtower Society leaders under oath. And I printed up that whole entire trial transcript which was long and huge. It was it was like, like massive. It was, had to re reduce the trial transcript. But from that, we know where the Jehovah's Witness New World Translation came from. It was just a, a bunch of, of their leaders who had no Greek or Hebrew experience. They were not language scholars at all. They just sat around a table, and they went verse by verse, and wrote it up as they wanted it to say so that they could weed out any doctrines that they didn't want. So it, it's not really even a translation. And people will want to get my Be Wise as Serpents book if they want to follow up about what I'm, I'm about to talk about, which is what they actually say is going to happen in Armageddon and after Armageddon. Because I was a missionary, a Christian missionary, to bring Jehovah's Witnesses to Christ for 10 years. And we had two complete libraries that had everything that they had ever put out. And so I went in there and I did some in-depth research from their books, from their magazines, from everything that they had said about what's going to happen in Armageddon and after Armageddon. And I was absolutely shocked, Sheila. Wow. And I wrote that up as a chapter in the Be Wise as Serpents book, and I called it the Watchtower's Mind Kampf, because if you saw all of the, the paragraphs that I saw in doing this research, 
you're absolutely shocked. It, it's just like Hitler's Mein Kampf. They say that in the new world, magic and occult will, will be practiced. When you actually read this, when you see all of the different quotes I put together, it's like something that the Illuminati would have written. You would be absolutely shocked at the things uh, that I read. And they basically say that this new world that all these Jehovah's Witnesses are wanting to survive into is going to be basically slavery. And if you don't think exactly what you're supposed to, you're going to be deleted. And and I mean, it's all put together, the references and everything, in one of my chapters in that Be Wise as Serpents book. Yes, that book is absolutely frightening and shocking, and it just covers so much. I highly recommend people do get that if they want proof of what we're talking about. Now, of course, going back to what I said about the 144 thousand when you really look at prophetic end time bible prophecy i mean tie that in what is your take on this term they always use 144,000 chosen break that down for us well i believe that the book of revelation the book of daniel you know these are apocalyptic images and they're telling us spiritual truths so prophecy is truth. It's God's truth. And truth is always truth. So where I differ from most people is most people are trying to say, well, this verse applies in only one circumstance. But what I'm trying to get people to realize is, is these are truths for our spiritual benefit, and they apply every day. So we need to look at them as how they apply. And I think in the everyday application, we see that 144,000 is like a number of perfection. And these saints are, they're God's perfect people. And so the number is not an actual number that, you know, when we get to heaven uh, and we take a head count, we're going to see 144,000. But it's a symbolic number of perfection. If we go back and we look at the history of Christianity. For instance, I have the book Martyr's Mirror. And the book Martyr's Mirror is a record of all of the Christians from Stephen, who was the first martyr, on through the years. And it, it will give, you know, it'll say, like, you know, in 153 AD, such and such group of people were arrested and they're their testimony was such, and then they were put to death by being burned or fed to the lions or blah, blah. So there's this record of thousands and thousands of Christian martyrs. And so when you see that, you see that there's been far more than 144,000. You know, that number is outnumbered, if you'll pardon the pun. There's There's been lots more Christians that have... Um, paid the final price and made the, the total sacrifice and, and had a good testimony. So historically, we can realize that that is a symbolic number, you know, and it, it represents perfection. You know, we, we read in the book of Revelation of the 12 tribes, and you'll notice that the tribe of Dan, which was one of the original tribes, is left out of the list in the book of Revelation because they're just an evil group that's tied in with the Illuminati. And you'll you'll notice that Joseph, that tribe, which was broken into Ephraim and Manasseh, gets a double portion of the blessing because Joseph was, was such a godly man. So we are grafted into Israel. As Christians, it says in, in the Word of God that we were grafted in. Well, there's a continuity of the people of faith of the Old Testament and the people of faith after the the Old Testament and what people call the New Testament. If one understands the way the covenants work, which most people don't, but the covenants build on each other. They don't replace each other. They don't outdate each other. It's not like the new covenant out made the old covenants obsolete. There were several covenants in, in what's called the Old Covenant the Old Testament. But all of them build. It's building. So, you know, you have this group of of people of faith that stretches back to antiquity, you know. 
Yeah, stretches back to Enoch and so forth. And of course, we know what Enoch predicted about all the evil running roughshod in the end times and springboarding into exactly what we're talking about here. These insidious demonic Luciferian Illuminati, call them what you will with all their dark occult powers, their witchcraft, their mind control. They really believe with all this that they're going to be able to pull off their big plan, don't they? Well, they have total confidence that they're going to pull off their plan. Um, the way they function with the mind control and, and then controlling us in general, whether it's in, in the, their total mind control or whether it's, it's just the way they, they heard the rest of us, is they know very well how people think. And if you create chaos, you make people dependent on them. Because they're the only ones that can bring order out of the chaos. So, you know, we're going to see a global financial meltdown. And, of course, we're going to have to depend on them who created all of these things like the Federal Reserve and the IMF. They run the Federal Reserve. Their people run the IMF. We're going to turn to them to try to rescue us from the chaos that they have created. And the same thing works with the trauma-based mind control is the poor victim has so many different personalities that they have to depend on the programmer to sort things out to function. So likewise, we see, you know, it's like Dearborn, Michigan, that county has now got Sharia law. You just see all of this, the breakdown of our culture and they're moving around the world. They're moving militaries, preparing uh, our military for martial law scenario, a breakdown of order. And, you know, they're practicing snatch and grab inserts, which is the kind of stuff that would precede a martial law scenario. So as things collapse and fall apart, of course, people are going to look to leaders to, to save them, and then we will get these Franklin Delano Roosevelt types come in. If you go back and, and look at the Delano family, I'm sure you're familiar with that, one of those elite families that made so much money off of running drugs to China in the opium. Yes. You know, so, you know, FDR can't, comes in and rescues the country from the Depression, and then does all kinds of social engineering in, in the process. Th this is what we're looking at again. You know, we're looking at another uh, depression being created. And then these elite uh, leaders like FDR will come in and be everybody's hero. Yeah, like Hegelian dialect. We create the problem and then we'll swoop in like the good guys for the solution. Yeah, everyone's hero. And of course, they're trying to acclimate everyone to this very strong police state, very draconian, very militarized. Last year, all those jade helm exercises. I mean, there's been a lot of things that happened in 2015 last year that is just absolutely frightening. And then you tie in that with the UN Global Police Force, Obama's handpicked global UN police force working lockstep with all these other agencies and then on the heels of that you have the gun grabbing so it all really fits doesn't it well the military units they're going to be green berets navy seals air force and marine special elite units but they're also going to be matched up with the dea dhs lea fbi jpra they're going to be paired with that as well as the intelligence agencies and so like you were saying, it's obvious to grab guns, but one of the the benefits for them to grab guns is not that they're getting the guns because our guns are are very are are not that big of a threat, but it's the people that have those guns that they're more concerned about. And going in house to house looking for guns is going to give them a lot of contact with the people that they want to take down. So I think the, the people on the lists are more targets than the guns. But yeah, they, they definitely will 
will go in and, and do that. And in World War II, if you were someone who was Japanese and a community leader, they would use the fact that you had a kitchen knife. They would say, well, you've got a weapon, and they would arrest you. Basically, you, I, whoever they want to arrest, they're going to have a pretext to do it. Well, and the surprising thing is, even though Obama is a total despot, I mean, he makes Benito Mussolini look like child's play. There's more treasonous shenanigans and chicanery that go on with, as I call Hitlery, mouse a tongue in a skirt. And yet these people, there might be little rumors that they're going to be charged or prosecuted, but it's surprising nothing ever happens to these absolute devil charlatans just like Hillary. Yeah, she's she's going to sail through all of these scandals just like she has before. But what I'm hoping is all the lies that the media is being is saying and all this disinformation, I'm hoping that it will backfire um, because when Americans really see what's going on, I hope they remember that they were lied to and so that it will backfire on these liars. Yeah, I agree. But when America wakes up is the question. You've got so many people in a dystopic trance, all well. You've got martial law scenarios, false flags every week to try and get the guns, these mass shootings and mind control minions. And then on the heels of that, you always have some of the independent media, the new media that reports on this stuff. I mean, we can't compete with the media spin doctors. We report all this stuff, and yet people are they are still in a trance while the media controls the narrative. And then, isn't it convenient what's happening in China, what's happening with BRICS, the IMF, the economy? We're on the verge of a complete economic meltdown. Food prices are soaring. I mean, the rigging, the manipulation, it's all <laughs> mind-numbing. And who would have ever thought the oil would drop below $26 a barrel? I mean, all this is just a frightening coalescence for complete subjugation, really. Oh, yeah. And and I've been warning about it looks very likely that, that China ranks as a reserve currency, which is going to dethrone the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. Already... The second in command there at the IMF has been telling people that that uh, this year China's yuan is going to be elevated to reserve currency status. So it seems likely that I think that's really what they plan to do. Of course, they could change their mind. but uh, And now you're getting into one of the things that I brought out, and that is this is war against us. It's a war that the elite are doing against us. And and I'm sure you're familiar with that book, Silent Weapons. Yes. And that's what people don't realize is that the elite are waging a war against us. And what do you do in war? You, you create this fog of war where the other side can't tell what's going on. And so that's what's being done is just we've got so many different things coming at us and a lot of them will never be followed up. They're just they're just stuck out there as distractions. And then a lot of these people that are out there pretending to be like you and I, exposing things, they're just muddying the waters with craziness. Craziness indeed. But as you were talking, I cannot help but think of the many, many parallels to 1930s Nazi Germany. I think back to last summer when I was reporting on Jade Helm, you had this symbol of the wooden shoes, you've got all this subjugation, you've got all this insanity, the chaos. In my book, I talk a lot about the Nazis. Steve Quayle just released a book on the Nazis. You've got Mein Kampf being released, hunting Hitler. And then concurrent to that, you've sort of got a revival of the Nazi occultism. Steve Quayle gets into that in his book, The Vril, The Thule. The rise of the occult nowadays is frightening as well. Well, yeah, that that's definitely um, your Northern European occultism, you know, your Druidism and Asatru and so forth. The oak, the it, where you're going is is definitely there. And there's a lot of symbolism that these people 
it's it's more than symbolism. It's actually they believe there's magical qualities in these uh, the oak. Um, so yeah, there's definitely something what you're talking about there. The it, just like the whole Holocaust being like a sacrifice, and then all of the casualties of World War II being even a more super sacrifice. The, these concepts are there within the elite, and they definitely giggle to themselves that they're doing things according to their these occult ideologies or belief systems. So yeah, there's definitely something there too. It just like uh, the you know the death head. Uh, you know we we look at the SS and the Schutzstaffeln that were Hitler's uh, secret service. Started out that way, and then they eventually developed Waffen SS divisions. That Death Heads goes way back in the occult, long before the SS was created. So yeah, the, there's the, this stuff goes way back into the occult beliefs. Well, and what's so interesting on the heels of that is how you get into these nefarious companies that finance the war. Do you tie a lot of what happened in Nazi Germany? You talk about Hitler in Bloodlines of the Illuminati, how Hitler was a Rothschild, and also how Prescott Bush and other nefarious groups financed the whole Nazi war effort. I mean, it is frightening how much you get into Hitler and the Nazis and the nefarious connections, the who's who of the global devils that financed all this. You tie all that in your book so well. Oh, well, hey, George Bush's family, Prescott Bush and Brown Harriman, they uh, helped finance Hitler. They were making profits off of one of the concentration camps. And this was this was known by the U.S. government, and the money that they made off of that concentration camp is what allowed the Bush family to, after World War II, to get into politics. So there's quite a connection there between um, some of our leadership and the Nazis. Uh, just like it, an, another parallelism is how powerful banking interests like the Morgans and some of these others, Jewish financiers, financed the Russian Revolution. Likewise, Hitler got some financing and assistance from America. And not only that, but the close connections were protected, like the Ford factories over in Germany and some of these other factories were off limits to our bombers. So, uh, you know, there were young people right after World War II that were subjected to this mind control that were trained and programmed to be suicide bombers. It's not natural for a person to uh, strap on a mini nuke and, and go blow something up. That's, you know, people have a very strong survival instinct. So these suicide bombers and these, these people that are shooting up schools, this is all this trauma-based mind control, and these are programmed people. And in the Middle East, you have, you have people that are being programmed. You know, Israeli intelligence is great at programming people to, to go be, be a, an Islamic suicide bomber. Every time that Israel needs a suicide bomber to to get sympathy, uh, you know, strangely it happens as if the the Muslims are so stupid to uh, shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak. But uh, yeah, all it's being used to manipulate events all over the place in this country, especially. And that kind of programming's been going on for a long time. When I was trying to deprogram people with uh, Illuminati mind control, the trauma-based mind control. Across the board, I was finding all of these people had Armageddon programming so that when this, when these last days happen, they would be involved in the chaos in some way. Some of these people stirring up trouble in the streets are going to be under mind control. Some of the people that are going to be on the police will be under mind control. Some of the people taking leadership positions 
to try to resolve these chaotic situations have been trained, not only programmed, but trained to be able to do what they need. So uh, a lot of these things that seem like they're randomly happening are actually the end result of a very detailed program. And uh, if people want to see a movie, watch this Charles Bronson movie, The End Result of This Trauma-Based Mind Control. And that's what the Green Berets are involved with and the Navy SEALs. Most, if not 100% of these elite soldiers are under this trauma-based mind control. Oh, and remember you had that one insider that shared with you the human sacrifice that those Green Berets did up at Fort Lewis. That is frightening. Oh, yeah. And there was a military leader and he was in a position that it was obvious that he had to know about it. And he pretends like, well, I don't know anything I've never heard about. Yeah, right. But then when I was watching that, I thought, well, that could be one of two things. He obviously really does know about it and he's lying. Or he could be a programmed multiple personality. And one of his personalities that didn't know about it was pulled up and and is sincerely ignorant. Maybe, but a lot of these military leaders, look at Michael Aquino. If that isn't a just pure devil, Mr. Temple of Set, satanic pedophile, psychological warfare specialist in the U.S. Army, these are devils. Right, and he's been in the St. Louis area continuing to program people. Very nasty person. Well, I could look up every word in the dictionary under nasty, and that probably wouldn't come close to these satanic sickos. Well, in the waning moments, did you ever find out if Osama bin Laden did a review, did a book review on your bloodlines of the Illuminati? (laughs) I was humorously thinking to myself, you know, they, and this is all fictitious, but you know, when they come in to shoot him and he's reading my book and he says, hey, wait, I got to finish this chapter. (laughs) Oh, I've got to finish this last chapter. That's too good. Well, and he should have finished that last chapter because let me tell you, that last chapter was good. So was the whole book. It probably did bring a lot of attention to the book, of course. The question is, what's the agenda behind that play? You got to wonder when you're as paranoid as me, why would they be doing that? It's so interesting. But speaking of the book and where people can get it and your other amazing writings, give out your website for the listeners, please, Fritz. Well, thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to do that, Sheila. It's pintracks.com. And the way it's spelled is P-E-N, like you would write with a pen, P-E-N. And then tracks is like the tracks that a bunny rabbit makes in the snow. So pentracks.com is my website. You can see the books that we've been talking about. That uh, Bloodlines of the Illuminati uh, book has been, it's sold more than any of my other books. And, And it's an excellent book. It should be in every library. I mean, I'm a researcher and I go into a lot of libraries and I see a lot of junk books. And I wonder, you know, what, you know, my book is of the caliber. It should be in there considering all the rest of these junky books, but very few libraries have my book. Yeah, that's so true. But if it's any consolation, my personal library has it and many other people's personal libraries have it too. I really encourage everyone to get it because it is a compilation like no other 600 and something pages of mind numbing unbelievableness. Is that a word? Truly an unbelievable compilation. Fritz, it's always a pleasure to have you on the program and do come back and see us real soon. Well, thank you, Sheila. I enjoyed it. And I'm glad that you're still in there broadcasting. That's your calling. When you know that you've been called to do something, if you don't do it, you don't feel good about yourself. So I'm glad to see you fulfilling your calling. Well, I really appreciate that, Fritz, because I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be the calling I would pick. Such huge challenges when you are called to do this kind of exposing work. Of course, you're very familiar with that. You went to federal prison for eight years. It reminds me of, I mean, you have a lot in common with Kent Hovind and others who were thrown in federal prison for exposing the truth. Yeah, yeah. He and I did about the same amount of time, and we were both in the BOP. Uh, I was not treated like a a common criminal, and he wasn't either. So I'm sure we have a lot of things that happened to us that were parallel or similar. 
parallel or similar? Indeed, there's a lot of persecution for people in this field. Folks, that was the amazing Fritz Springmeier. Go to WeekendVigilante.com and his bio and website are linked there. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast today. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.